I invite you to take your Bible, please, and open to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17. Open your Bible there now to Luke, chapter 17. This morning, I want to speak on the subject, the last chance, the last chance. Sometimes when we go on a road trip, a long road trip, we might see a sign and the sign would say something like last gas for 200 kilometers or something like that. And what the sign is telling us is that if we need gas, we better get it now because the next gas station isn't for 200 more kilometers. So if we're wise, we'll look down at our gas gauge and we'll check and determine if we should take advantage of this opportunity or not. And many times in life, we are likewise faced with these last chance opportunities. It does happen quite often. Sometimes we don't even realize that it's our last chance. There's not always a sign that says this is your last chance. There's not always a sign. And so sometimes we haven't a clue. We don't even know that this is our last chance to take advantage of an opportunity. And then afterwards we say, ah, oh, I wish I should have, I could have, I should have taken advantage of that. I wish I, I could go back and redo that. Dr. Harry Ironside was a great preacher. He loved the Lord with all his heart. He was born in 1876 and he died in 1951 at 74 years young. And he was a well-beloved preacher. At one point he pastored the Moody Memorial Church. And people loved that man and they would flock to hear his preaching and they would write him letters. Every year he would receive hundreds, sometimes thousands of letters from people. And there was no possible way he could keep all of the letters. It was impossible. The volume was too great. And so after he would read the letter, he would reply and then he would tear up the letter and dispose of it. And that's what he would do. That was his, his custom. He never kept the letters. Well, Dr. Ironside's son, Edmund, also would write loving letters to Dr. Ironside. And Dr. Ironside would do the same thing. He would receive the letter from Edmund and he'd read it and uh, write back perhaps. And he would tear up Edmund's letter and dispose of it. That's just what he did. One day in July of 1941, this is 10 years before Dr. Ironside passed away. He received a loving letter from his son, Edmund. And after having read the letter, as was his custom, he tore it up and disposed of it. He had no way of knowing that later that month, his son, Edmund would meet with a tragic accident and die. He had no way of knowing after Edmund's funeral. In a sermon, Dr. Ironside expressed his regret that he had not kept that last letter. Oh, he said, I wish I had hung on to that last letter, but he had no way of knowing that that was his last opportunity to keep a letter. We too are sometimes given last chances. That is true. Sometimes it's for things that we sure wish we could go back and, and change, take advantage of those opportunities. I have several regrets in my life. Maybe you have a few also of opportunities you wish you had have taken, but you didn't. They were your last chance. Today, we're going to follow Jesus on his last journey from northern Samaria and Galilee down south into Jerusalem, where he was to be crucified. And along this little journey that we'll take, we're going to meet several people who were given a last chance to get a blessing from the savior. And so today, like the sign on the road trip that says last chance for gas, we need to stop and check our spiritual gas gauge. We need to check our soul, our spirit, and our heart and try and determine if we're on empty. And we need to determine, is there some blessing that God is offering us that we need to take advantage of? And we need to be mindful 
that the devil specializes in cheating God's people out of blessings that God wants to give them. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we ask you please to bless this message to our hearts and grant to us wisdom beyond our years, heavenly wisdom, so that we could recognize opportunities and be smart enough to take advantage of them. Our Father God, we pray for everyone listening today here at church in the auditorium and at home on the internet. And we ask you, dear Heavenly Father, to please rest a blessing on each and every one. If there's anyone watching who's not yet born again, please help them to see that this is an important decision they need to take advantage of. We pray for any that are not living properly for you. They're saved, but they're backslidden. We pray, Father, that you would indeed speak to their hearts and help them to see that they may not have another chance tomorrow to get right with God today. So please bless us, we pray, with your presence. In Jesus' name, we ask it. Amen. In this last year of the Lord Jesus' ministry, he did a lot of miracles, and he preached some really great sermons and taught some great lessons and gave parables. It was a very rich, full, fruitful last year. In this last year, he forgave the woman taken in adultery. Do you remember reading about her? He also healed the man who was born blind. Lord, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? He also healed a crippled woman on the Sabbath day. The Pharisees loved that one. He also raised Lazarus from the dead. John chapter 11. These are things that happened in the last year of the Lord's ministry here on earth. And he was about to begin his last journey to Jerusalem. Now, because Jesus was fully God, he knew in advance this was his last journey. He knew in advance that when he got to Jerusalem, he would be betrayed, beaten, crucified. He knew all this because he was fully God. But at the same time, he was fully man. And so think of it. This last journey, which didn't take that many days, this last journey must have been an emotional one for him. Knowing some of these people he wasn't going to see again, knowing that they weren't going to see him again, it had to have been an emotional journey, don't you think? And being fully God, I think the Lord Jesus was himself looking for opportunities to bless people along the way. This was his last opportunity in his earthly ministry to bless people. And I think he was very willing to give blessings. By the way, that is the nature of God. Don't ever let the devil fool you into thinking that God is not interested in granting you a blessing. Never, ever think that. Many of God's blessings, we don't realize them as blessings and we take them for granted. Of course, a famous one is our health, right? And we, we say this, that uh, health is something you never think about until you've lost it. They say that a lot of people spend their health to get money. They work themselves to death and they get sick to make money. And then once they get the money, they spend all their money trying to get their health back. Kind of strange, isn't it? But many, many of our blessings, often we take them for granted and we don't realize they're blessings. You have family, that's a blessing. You have some measure of health, that's a blessing. You have a job, that's a blessing. A lot of people don't have work. So many blessings God gives. And then there's these extra ones, the answers to prayer. And that's sort of what we're going to get into here. And so I believe that God is still very willing, wanting to bless his people. That's his nature. Well, in our story, it's almost time for the Jewish Passover. This is what brought Jesus to Jerusalem. This would be his third Passover in his three-year ministry. And as many Jews as possible were making the journey to Jerusalem. There was all kinds of Jews all around the northern Galilee area, and they were all set and ready, had their bags packed, and they were going to 
march and walk down uh, from Galilee. There was no train or bus, no Greyhound bus, so they no cars. So they had to make this journey on foot. Very few could ride in some kind of chariot. Very, very few. But uh, most of them walked. And that's what Jesus would have done as well. And they had their bags packed. They were going to make this journey to Jerusalem. And it was a happy journey, a happy celebration. Passover was a happy time. Uh, the population, they say, in Jerusalem was maybe 100,000 throughout the year. But on, like on Passover, it was upwards of like a million people. Like it was no small event. It was it was big. And so uh, people were, for the most part, in a very happy mood. But there were certain ones along the road, and we'll meet them, who were given a last chance at a blessing. And we're going to see what they did with it. Now, our first group are the 10 lepers. In Luke chapter 17, verses 11 to 14, we have this, uh, this group of 10 here. We, we had Brother Howard read the scripture for us, these 10 lepers. And uh, Jesus, at this point, uh, if, you, if you could think of the map of Israel in your mind, you know, you've got the Sea of Galilee up at the top, and you've got the Jordan River runs down, you've got the Dead Sea on the bottom. Just off to the top left of the, of the Dead Sea is Jerusalem. And between Jerusalem and um, uh, Galilee area, in between is this area called Samaria. And that's on the left-hand side of the Jordan river. What a lot of the Jews did because they had no dealings whatsoever with the Samaritans is they would purposely cross over the Jordan and go up the right hand side of the Jordan to stay away from Samaria because they didn't like those people. They were half breeds in their mind. And then they would cross back over Jordan into Galilee. The Lord Jesus didn't do that. He went through Samaria and as he's, Coming out of Samaria and into Galilee, there are these 10 men who were lepers. And from a, a far off distance, uh, because leprosy, you know, was a deadly disease and it was communicable. It was, I think it was worse than COVID-19, my opinion only. But uh, it was a horrible disease and you'd get these skin spots, sores and so on. It would attack your nervous system and you had no sensation. You could get a cut or a wound and not feel it. And that's scary because it gets infected. And that's what happens. And then the, the leper would usually lose fingers and toes because these little fingers and toes of ours, they tend to be subject to getting hurt in the kitchen or walking, you know, to go to the washroom in the middle of the night and stub your toe sort of thing. Oh, well for a, a leper, uh, they could, stub their toe, cut their finger off with a knife in the kitchen and not even know it. And uh, finally, the, the disease, you know, you, you lose limbs and then finally you lose your life. It was a horrible, pitiful disease. And many people had it. These weren't the only ones that had leprosy, but uh, these were certainly 10 of them. Now today, leprosy can be successfully treated with uh, certain uh, drugs and medications. But back in Bible days, if you had leprosy, that was pretty much the death sentence. Unless God did you a miracle. And here's 10 men who contracted leprosy. And they pretty much thought, we're going to die. They probably were somewhat young, young men. We're only guessing. We don't know anything really much about them. But they had this horrible disease and they probably figured, uh, this is it. We're going to die. But they heard Jesus was in the area. Did they know that this was their last opportunity to get a blessing out of Jesus? Did they know that he was going to make his last journey down to Jerusalem and there be crucified? And he would not be walking their countryside anymore. Did they know this? Probably not, but we don't know for sure but they probably didn't. But what we do know is they were smart enough to take advantage of the opportunity that was right there in front of them. And this is a key point of the message today. They say that opportunity knocks once, but temptation keeps on hammering. Have you ever heard that expression? 
often. Oh, we face temptation every day. Temptation to hurt someone. Temptation to steal something. Temptation to commit some kind of crime or sin. Temptation not to follow through on our promises to God and to fellow men. And so temptation is always hammering us. And then opportunity comes and it seems like it knocks once. Well, if we're smart enough, we'll take advantage of that opportunity. And I think that these men did just that. Now, please look at chapter 17. I want you to see verse 15. And one of them, when he was, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, which by the way, is a good position to assume when you're alone with Jesus, giving him thanks, which is also something excellent to do. And he was a Samaritan, a despised Samaritan. Oh, and Jesus answering said, were there not 10 cleansed, but where are the nine? Quite possibly the other nine were Jewish. And this 10th was Samaritan. Now we don't know for sure. It's only a guess, but from Jesus comment, we're assuming that that's all we can do is kind of assume that. Verse 18, there are not found that re return to give glory to God, save this stranger, meaning the Samaritan stranger from Israel. And he said unto him, arise, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. So it seems quite likely that the guy got saved here. Why else would he come and fall on his face and worship Jesus Christ? And so we sure hope he got saved. Now, the point of the matter is this. In meeting these 10 lepers, remember that on your map, in your mind's eye, the map of Israel, Jesus is just leaving Samaria to come up into Galilee. And then from Galilee, he'll come down into Jerusalem. And so he's kind of making this last journey. And the point is, if you have a medical problem in your life, you need to talk to the Lord Jesus about it. You know, in this country, we get free medical for the most part. It's paid for by our taxes and we're quick to take advantage of it and go to the doctor. We run to see the specialist. We run to see the GP, but we're not so quick to go talk to Jesus first. And I think therein we make a mistake when we have medical issues and problems. We need to go to the great physician first. Now that doesn't mean we shouldn't go to the doctor, shouldn't go to the hospital. Listen, there's a time and place for that. I believe it. And after you talk to Jesus, Maybe then call 911 huh? and then go into, uh, into the emergency or something. But you need to talk to the great physician in there. You need to cry out to him. This is important because write this down, please. This is his promise. Psalm 103. I want you to write this down. Psalm 103 and verse 3. Psalm 103 verse 3 says, Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. God is interested in healing your diseases. He is, he is, he is. Now, either God is waiting for you to ask him. And when you ask, you need to ask and ask and ask, right? Not just one uh, tiny little peep out of the corner of your mouth. Lord, healing. that's it. And that's all you ever do. But you need to learn to cry out to God from your heart. I knew a Christian man. Uh, he probably was 25 years older than I at the time. This is way back in the eighties, uh, in my early ministry. And I knew this man and he loved the Lord and he was going to be a missionary. And we got talking about sickness. And he said to me, he says, whenever I get sick, he said, whenever I get sick, I always cry out to the Lord Jesus. Always, always. First thing I do is cry out to Jesus, cry out to God, cry out to God. He said, and God seems to heal me. Now, maybe, maybe he's a bit of an anomaly. I'm not sure, but it sure spoke to my heart. I want to be able to give God the glory rather than give man the glory. And I thank God for the wisdom God, that God has given to doctors and scientists. I really thank God for it. It certainly has preserved our lives for the most part. They're working on vaccines now for COVID-19. I expect they'll probably find it. And then things will kind of maybe get back to the normal that we used to know. I sure hope they find it soon, maybe. And God will give them that wisdom. But here's the point. Maybe God is waiting 
waiting, waiting for you to cry out to him before he says, okay, I'll heal you. That's what happened to me back in 2012, 2011, 2012, when my back went so bad and I had stenosis and I was on two canes and I was scheduled for back surgery. I went to see the surgeon and they had me all scheduled up and I was, I was going to go for back surgery. And then I pray, I, I, I said, Lord, um, Maybe, maybe there's something that you could do. Maybe you could give me some wisdom on this. And right away, the Lord said, ask the church people to pray for you. So I did. And I said, folks, would you please pray that God give me wisdom if I should have my back surgical (laughs) or not? And uh, some of you were there and you nodded. We'll pray for you, pastor. And two weeks later, I noticed, hey, my back's not hurting. Now, I had two kinds of back pain. One was regular back pain. And the other is this killer stenosis. Well, the killer stenosis went away. I still have back pain from that day to this. Well, for over 30 years, I've had back pain, but not the killer stenosis. Man, I was in the fetal position, you know, for an hour every morning, trying to straighten up and get out of bed. My wife will tell you. And you folks prayed and God healed me. That wonderful. I give glory to God for that. But maybe... Sometimes God isn't ready to heal us. Maybe he wants us to go through that sickness because he knows it's the only way he can teach us some important lessons in life. Or maybe God will use that sickness to bless someone in your family. Maybe you've got an unsaved family member and maybe God will use your sickness and your Christ-like spirit to touch their heart and get them saved. Now, if that's the case, that's worth getting sick, don't you think? So you can see a family member get saved. But you see, there's, there's a few reasons. Maybe your sickness came because of sin. That's possible. Jesus, he healed a man. And uh, you remember this story about this man for 38 years? He was a, an invalid, a cripple, and he was uh, by this pool. And every year, God would send an angel and stir the waters, trouble the waters. It's in the Gospel of John And then whoever stepped into the waters first was healed. You remember reading that? Well, this guy, 38 years, he said, every time the water stirs and I'm trying to get there, someone else steps ahead of me and gets in. And Jesus said, do you want to be made whole? And so Jesus healed him. And then Jesus said, sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. So in that case, we assume that something that the guy was doing in his younger days Maybe the guy was in a well into his fifties or pushing 60 or more at this point in his life. We don't know. He was sick for 38 years, but the context seemed to indicate that he got sick because of his sin. And that is still true today. That can still happen today. Um, Listen, maybe sometimes it's just God's normal natural. Like as we age, we get the aches and pains of old age. And maybe that's what God has in mind. But either way, you need to wait upon the Lord and get his wisdom. And so here are 10 men who did not wait. They took advantage of that opportunity. All right, we have to hurry, otherwise we'll never get to Jerusalem. All right, into chapter 18, I'd like you to turn. And we have the blessing of the children. The Lord Jesus has now traveled out of Samaria into Galilee at the top of the map. And now he's starting to come out of Galilee. He's starting to make his journey out of Galilee. Chapter 18 and verse 15. And they brought unto him also infants that he would touch them. But when his disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them unto him and said, suffer little children to come unto me and forbid them not for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child shall in no wise enter therein. And so we have this amazing story here of uh, uh, parents who brought their children to Jesus for a blessing. Now, back then, So many, many people missed out on the opportunity to bring their children to Jesus. Jesus traveled the Holy Land. He walked up and down it, you know, a few times. And he was amongst crowds all the time. And so many families never brought their children to Jesus. So many moms and dads, maybe they thought, maybe actually even, maybe they never even thought of it. Maybe it never occurred to them to bring their children to Jesus and get a blessing. Maybe some of the parents thought, well, it won't do any good 
you know, to have Jesus take them up in his arms and bless them. That won't do any good. Maybe some parents thought, well, it'll do good, but there's plenty of time to get that done. Oh, yeah, we'll have Jesus here forever. There's plenty of time to have that done. I wonder, did these parents know that it was their last opportunity? Probably not. We don't know. Now, listen. So many today, so many Christian moms and dads today make the same mistake. They do not bring their children to Jesus to get blessed. I mean, they never have their children dedicated to the Lord Jesus as babies. And in the dedication, they're dedicating themselves as well to help raise the children for God's glory. They never do that. Or, or also they, they, they never have family devotions. They never bring their children daily to the Lord Jesus with family devotions. There's no family altar in the home. And so when things go kablooey, you try and pick up the pieces and say, what happened here? What happened here? That big tragic fire over on uh, 56th Avenue, they're, they're about to go in and try and figure out what caused this fire. That's what they do, you know, when there's a big fire. They try and find out what caused the fire. And sometimes in Christian homes, when they blow to smithereens and we try and say, well, well, what happened here? And we go in and we try and find evidence of a family altar. And there's been no family altar for years. The parents have never brought the children to Jesus on a daily basis. Some Christian parents never bring their children to Jesus every week in Sunday school or these days, actually on, on the internet with super church. They don't do that. They don't bring their children to Jesus to get blessed. Now, these parents here in Luke 18, they wanted Jesus to bless their children. They really had no way of knowing that this would be their last opportunity. Jesus wasn't coming back. This was their last chance to get their children blessed. They probably didn't know that, but they were, at least we know they were smart enough to take advantage of this opportunity. They, they wanted to get their, their children to Jesus and their disciples rebuked them. And Jesus says, Oh, bring them to me, bring them to me. Now, as a pastor, I've had the sad experience of seeing over the years, 40 years of my ministry, I've seen parents have their children dedicated to the Lord, but only to fail after that in bringing their children to Jesus every day at the family altar every week to Sunday school. They fail parents. You will never know. You just don't know when will be your last opportunity to bring your children to Jesus. You don't know when will be your last opportunity to get them blessed. And so take advantage of daily opportunities at home and weekly opportunities at church. Now we have to move on here. And the Lord Jesus now has left Galilee and he's coming now south. And we're in chapter 18 and please look at verse number 18. And a certain ruler asked him saying, good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? This is number three, point number three here on the, the sermon. Point number one was the 10 lepers. Point number two was the blessing of the children and the parents. Here's point number three is the rich young ruler. Now, the Lord Jesus had left Galilee and instead of coming on the left-hand side of Jordan down through Samaria, he came on the right-hand side down through an area called Perea. Perea is north of Jericho, which is north of Jerusalem. So he's down in this area called Perea. And some Bible scholars call this Christ's Perean ministry. And so we find here uh, a young man who was about to face his greatest question in life. That was his eternal salvation. Now, typically when we're young, we often think we got our whole life ahead of us. We got 50 years, you know, uh, or more sometimes. And there's plenty of time to think about religion later. So many young people, even young people that grow up in Christian homes, think, oh, I got 50 years. I don't have to get too religious yet. I can go out and party. I can do my own thing. I can be the captain of my own destiny. I got all the time in the world. That's what they think. And so uh, religion and the Lord Jesus is not on their minds. This is very typical. Now, this young man here, not only was he young, but he was also rich. 
He was also rich, and it was quite obvious that he loved his riches. He was in love with them. But the Lord Jesus was giving him an opportunity for eternal life. Now, let's follow the story here. Let's look at verse uh, 21. Now, the Lord Jesus says some, several of the commandments. Commandments number 6, 7, 8, and 9, by the way. And then in verse 21, he said, All these have I kept from my youth up. Now, when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, Yet lackest thou one thing. Sell all that thou hast. Now, why would Jesus say a thing like that? He didn't say that to everyone. And certainly not everyone that has a little bit of money, you know, can't get to heaven. That's not the idea. The idea here was that this man was in love with his money. He was a young guy. He was rich and he was in love with his money and his money was keeping him from getting saved. And because Jesus loved the guy and had compassion and was giving him an opportunity to be blessed. He said, sell all that thou hast and distribute to the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. So that would have then precluded the, 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 the argument here. The young man would have said goodbye to that, which was keeping him away from eternal life. He would have gotten rid of his money. He would have gotten saved. He'd have treasure in heaven. Unsaved people don't have treasure in heaven, right? No, they got something else waiting for them in hell. And then Jesus finishes and says, come and follow me. And when he heard this, he was very sorrowful for he was very rich. Well, the Lord Jesus was giving him an opportunity to have eternal life and to have far greater riches in heaven than on earth. And on top of that, Jesus even gave him an, an opportunity to come and follow him. And you follow the story of Jesus and he rarely ever gave that opportunity. Not many people ever had that invitation from Jesus to come and follow him, but Jesus gave it to this fellow. Now, perhaps this young man thought, well, the timing's not right. We're only assuming that's all we can do is surmise here. But maybe the young man thought that the timing isn't right to follow Jesus and give his money away. Maybe he thought, I'll have another chance later. I'm young in life. I got my whole life ahead of me. Maybe I'll wait till I'm in my 40s. When I'm old and in my 40s, ask someone in their 40s if that's old. And they'll tell you no. Ask someone in their 70s if 40 is old. They'll tell you no. My wife's mother is 90, what? 99. Go ask my wife's mother if 40 is old. My wife's mother wishes she was back in her 80s. How about that? When she was young and spry back in her 80s. I thank God for my wife's mother. She's a walking miracle and she loves the Lord. She's waiting for the rapture. Amen. Well, we don't know here. We don't know about this young man, what went through his head. Where is this young man today? Is he in hell regretting his decision? Again, we don't know. But what we do know is he gave up his opportunity, didn't he? This was his last chance. And he turned and walked away from it. Listen, if you're here today and you have not yet been born again, or if you're watching over the internet, and you have never received Jesus Christ as your savior. Today is the day to do it. That's what the Bible says in second Corinthians six two. behold. Now is the accepted time. Behold. Now is the day of salvation. Don't wait till tomorrow. You may not have tomorrow. You may be dead. Today is the day to get right with God quickly. We have to move on because now the Lord Jesus has left the Perea area and has now come into Jericho. Look, please, at verse 35 with me. And it came to pass that as he was come nigh unto Jericho, a certain blind man sat by the wayside begging. And, of course, we know his name as Bartimaeus from the Gospel of Mark. The, the um, equivalent passage in Mark chapter 10 indicates his name was Bartimaeus. Look, please, at verse 38. And he cried saying, Jesus, thou son of David, which was another expression for the Messiah. Have mercy on me. And look, verse 41, uh, the Lord Jesus saying, what wilt thou I should do unto thee? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, receive thy sight. Thy faith hath saved thee. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God and all the people when they saw it gave praise unto God. So the Lord Jesus now, 
He's close to Jerusalem. He's just in Jericho, not that far north of Jerusalem. The name Bartimaeus means son of honor. Bar means son. Okay. So son of honor, but I don't think Bartimaeus felt very honorable. Why is that? Well, number one, he was blind. Well, maybe he had a rich family. No, because he had to beg. He was a beggar. He was a blind beggar. He was penniless. He depended upon the goodness, the mercy of people, you know, as he held out his hands saying, alms, alms for the poor, help a blind beggar. You, I can hear you out there. Someone, would you give me something to help me to buy bread to live for today? And someone would put a coin in his hand. Thank you. God bless you for your goodness. Thank you. And he was a beggar and that's how he survived. And people knew him as blind beggar, the Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus, the beggar. They, they knew him. And we've got beggars on our streets. Sometimes you've seen them when you're in your car and you get up to the street corner and these strong, healthy, fit young men dressed in rags with signs that say, please have mercy and give me something today. God bless you. And they're perfectly fit and able and capable to go to these companies and get work for a day. But they don't want it because they can make more money putting on a show and a sad face and trying to get money out of, out of good hearted people. Maybe I sound a little critical, but I've seen a lot of them. And of course, over the years of the ministry, they get in touch with the church. It's always on a Friday. Oh, they say the checks run out. The baby needs milk. Oh, they have their sob stories. And we've heard the same sob stories over and over the same ones. Just the faces and names are different. Same story. One guy forgot he had called us. He called us up a second time with the same sob, sob story. Only his sob story was that he was in town. His truck has run out of gas. He needs money for, for gas. And I told him, no A week later, he called back. He forgot he called and he said, he's in town is <laughs> he's still out of gas. <laughs> so I told him, you forgot you called here, didn't you? Oh yeah. Yeah. And he hung up. <laughs> So if I'm a little critical, if I'm a little bit short with some of the modern day beggars, you'll have to forgive me. Listen, I know that there are legitimate cases out there and I know that and we're looking for them and we want to help, but we don't want to put drug money in someone's hands. Okay. So here's blind Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus was blind, but he heard that Jesus was in town and he knew a good thing when he heard it. Did Bartimaeus know that this was his last opportunity to get a blessing out of Jesus? Did he know that, that if he gave up, if he listened to the crowd and shut up because the crowd was telling him, shut up. If he hearkened to the crowd and said, Oh, I'm sorry, I'll get another chance after Passover. When Jesus comes back through, I'll get him then. Did he know that? Probably not, but we know he was smart enough to take advantage of the opportunity that was in front of him. This was his last chance folks. And he cried out the more. So what happened? I mean, he wasn't going to go down without a fight. What happened? He got healed. He got his answer. He got blessed of the Lord Jesus. That's what happened. That's exciting. You know, there are, are so many applications of this story in our Christian lives, but this one I think is appropriate. Maybe you've been praying for something big. Don't give up on your prayers. Don't stop crying out. The crowd would say, shut up, be quiet. Don't bother the savior. He's got more important things to do. Don't you know that Jesus is all busy trying to get COVID solved and healed? Don't you realize that he doesn't have time to listen to you and answer your request. Don't you believe it? Because the Lord Jesus has the time. He has the power and he has the compassion, but your job is to keep asking, keep asking and asking. And that's what the Lord Jesus said in John 16, 24, ask and ye shall receive years later. James said, you know why it is that some of you aren't getting your prayers answered. James said in chapter four, verse two, ye, ye have not because ye ask not. And so by all means, you need to keep asking and asking and asking and I ask you, are, are you single and asking God for a husband or a wife? Are you unemployed and you're looking for a good job? Are you feeling called of God, 
to serve him full time and you're thinking about Bible college, get some training. Now listen, for any and all of these, friends and family might even rebuke you. Oh, don't be so foolish, they might say. But you need to do what blind Bartimaeus did and cry out all the more for God to answer your prayer and to bless you. This is the key. Your importunity is what will get your prayers answered. Don't give up. Oh, but I'm discouraged. Keep going. Don't quit. Telling people are telling me not to. Don't listen to them. Keep going every day. Now, for me, I'm crying out to God to reach Surrey with the gospel and to build the greatest Bible college for pastors and missionaries to come and get training. Listen, at no charge to the students. Now, right now, that's unheard of, isn't it? You have to charge the students. How else can you pay for the teachers? How else can you pay for the materials and and such? I want to build the greatest Bible college experience for pastors and missionaries in training and have it free of cost, free of charge. I want to reach this city with the gospel. I want them to sit up and listen. And the only way I know to do that is with the 104 building. Five times a week, my wife and I get in the car and we drive to that building. We drive around it. We park. And we pray, Lord, do a miracle. Do a miracle of miracles. You believe God can do it? Yep. But do you believe he will do it? That's the key, isn't it? Now, what I've learned is that if you keep asking and keep praying, seeking and knocking in your heart, the Holy Spirit will give you assurance. Foregone conclusion. God has heard me. God will answer, just I don't know when. So I'm, I'm praying every day. Hey, oh, Lord, please also keep the building safe. People are throwing rocks at the window. Don't let them do that, Lord. Keep, the, keep our building safe. I believe with that building, we can build the greatest Bible college experience free of charge for students. It'll be a tremendous blessing to young people across Canada. We can reach the city because the whole city knows about that crazy building. And when they find out the miracle that God has done here, I'm talking as if God's already done it, but I'm praying God will do it. And you know, if God does it, the whole city's going to, uh, their jaws going to drop. What, what? That's not possible for that little church. They're just a little hole in the wall. That's all they are. How is this even, even possible? Well, it's impossible for men but God specializes in the miracles. Amen. Opening the Red Sea. No problem for God. Creating the whole world out of nothing. No problem for God. I think God wants us to reach the city. I invite you to join me in your daily prayers that God will do a miracle and enable us to be able to do this with the 104 building. Now, I'm not going down without a fight. I'm not going to let the devil win. Now, we've got to hurry up. We've got to finish off here. And I, I need you to turn to chapter 19 now of Luke. And we pick up in verse 1. Here, Jesus is still in Jericho, or he's on his way out of the city. We're almost done here. And Jesus uh, entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a, a, a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans. And he was rich. Now, I think you all know the story of Zacchaeus and how he climbed a tree in order to see Jesus and how he got saved and how he gave so much money to the poor and he restored everything he stole from people. Now Zacchaeus, the name Zacchaeus, guess what the name Zacchaeus means? You probably say, I mean, it means a crook. Probably means a thief. Huh? No, the name Zacchaeus means pure, pure, Come on, you got to be kidding. Pure, that guy? Well, I agree with you. He was anything but pure. He, he, I'm, I'm sure he knew he was not right with God. I'm sure his conscience was bothering him because he was a crook. And with the Roman authority behind him, he was a tax collector. And he'd say, well, let's see, you know, 
what you have here, seven coins for, for Caesar, but I'm going to charge you 10 and he'd keep three. And that's how he got rich. And he was just a short little fellow, but something in his heart told him he wasn't right with God. And Oh, he wanted to be right with God. And so he heard Jesus was in town. Did Zacchaeus know that this was his last chance? If Jesus leaves Jericho, Zacchaeus is never going to see him again. Did he know this was his last chance? Probably not. But what we do know is Zacchaeus was smart enough to take the opportunity that was right there in front of him. So what did he do? He humbles himself and he runs and climbs a tree like a monkey. And Jesus came and stopped and looked up and said, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down. I must abide at your house. What? What are you talking about? Don't you know who I am? Don't you know I'm a crook and a thief? I'm a liar. Don't you know what kind of person I am? And you want to stay at my house? Now we're talking the real nature of Jesus, aren't we? Isn't that wonderful? Our Lord Jesus. He's a friend of sinners and publicans. Publicans are tax collectors. He's a friend of sinners and us with our sin. And he still wanted to come in our hearts and live in us. What a, what a wonderful savior folks. What a wonderful savior. You know, here we have a man who hungered and thirst after righteousness. Just like Jesus said in the sermon on the mountain, Matthew chapter five, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. And Zacchaeus was filled that day. And I ask you today, do you have a hunger and thirst for righteousness? Like Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, if he were here today, you know, he'd put his name down on the list. He said, how, how many services can I come to? That, that would be Zacchaeus. And if we said Zacchaeus, you can only come once every two weeks. He'd probably go, oh, okay. All right. Well, put me down once every two weeks. And for the other services, I'll watch online. If there was no COVID-19, Zacchaeus would be in church Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and on Wednesday evening too, unless he was sick or maybe on duty or something. I don't know. You get the idea? Hunger and thirst after righteousness. Do you remember a time in your Christian life where you were more hungry and thirsty than you are now? Because it happens. As Christians, ooh, we have this cooling off effect. We talked about that last week, didn't we? Zacchaeus, do you realize this is your last chance to see Jesus? Nope, I don't know. But what I do know is that he's here right now. And so we have to finish off this sermon. How many more chances will you let slip through your fingers? How many more opportunities? Well, if we're smart folks, we'll take advantage of every opportunity God gives us because as I live, I'm telling you the truth. The devil specializes in cleverly stealing away, cheating Christians out of blessings that God wants to give them. The devil is good, good, good at that. There are so many Christians that are unblessed because the old devil has stolen their blessing away from them. Are we going to let that happen? What an interesting message here. The last chance. What blessing? might God have for you? And will you take advantage of it? Would you close your eyes in prayer? Oh, wonder heaven, heaven, heavenly father, you're, you're wonderful, wonderful. And we thank you for the incredible mercy and compassion you have toward us. All of the many blessings that you want to bestow upon us and how clever the devil is. And truly how sad we are that we believe him. And we give in and end up losing. And maybe something like Jacob and Esau. And Esau was born with the blessing and the birthright. And he sold it all for a bowl of porridge. Oh, heavenly father, I don't know if any of us are going to have last chances today or this week, but please help us to take advantage of every blessing to pick up every little golden nugget along the way, to leave nothing undone, 
And Father, I pray that if there be anyone who's not yet born again, that they would realize they better do that soon because they may not have another day to make another chance or at least to have another chance. Oh, please bless the church and your people. Help us, Father, to do great works for you in these last days. In Jesus' name, we humbly ask it. Amen. Well, it's our our blessing to be able to give to the Lord. And here at church, we don't have the ushers to come and help us like we normally do with the offering. So we have a box on the back by the door. So if you've come and you brought your tithe and your offering for faith promise for missions, would you please put it in that box in the back at the door? If you're watching online, we'd like to ask you, please, if you'd go to the donation page. Now, I think we're all familiar with that now. If you'd go to the donation page, please, and put in your tithes and put in your faith promise offering for the missionaries. Don't forget the missionaries. And God is no man's debtor, and he'll always bless that back. And I like to think that our church is generous, and that's maybe one of the reasons, maybe the main reason why hardly anyone has lost work. Now, I'm not saying that if you've lost work, it's because you're not generous. Please don't put words in my mouth. That's not what I mean. Maybe the Lord is taking you through a very special blessing another way. But if you're tithing and you're, you're giving the faith promise, God takes notice of that. And perhaps that's one of the main reasons why our church has been keeping its head above water and the families are staying employed and no one has got COVID-19. Maybe. So if you're watching online, Would you do that? Now, before we do that, I'd like to direct your attention to the word of the Lord in Psalm 98. And then after which we're going to call upon Pastor Silver. He's going to come and lead us in 309, which doesn't mean anything because you're not using hymn books, but it's the hymn, Our Great Savior. Listen to the word of the Lord in Psalm number 98, verse 4. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. All the earth, make a joyful noise and rejoice and sing praise. Sing unto the Lord with the harp and uh, with the harp and with the voice of a psalm, with trumpets and sound of cornet, make a joyful noise before the Lord, the King. All right. Pastor Silver is going to come and lead us in this great hymn. And if you're watching online, would you go to the donation page at this time? <laughs> 